He is the way and the truth and the life. We have to die in order to live. Well, good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. Here we are, episode 16 one six. of Beyond the Homily. There Did you ever go. think we would get this far into it and actually still have one listener? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I'm not convinced. I, the same person comes up to me week after week to tell me that they enjoy it. And, you know, I don't know if anybody else is actually listening. Oh, I get I get quite a few. Do you? I do. They well, like I'm, you more than me. Well, that's I mean, self-explanatory. As they should. <laughs> so <laughs> the, uh, this past weekend was Christ the King. The Feast of Christ the King. What does that mean, even? Christ the King. And we ha- we also had uh, confirmation. Well, let's not jump ahead. Let's do one thing at a time. We also have Advent coming. You know, we're going to talk about a lot today. Yeah. Today is going to be, we're we're covering a lot of bases, but it'll be good. Christ the King. It's always good. Christ the King was started, is actually a new feast day, a solemnity uh, instituted by the church. But surprisingly, a lot of uh, Protestants uh, immediately picked it up and they started like, preaching about you know christ the king who's the late night talk show host that just popped in my head like every christ the king it it trends on the internet he's um he's dancing to who is this king of glory oh i have no idea i remember um i remember i sent that clip to father joel one 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 sunday on the feast of christ the king when he was here at pius Hmm. i asked him if he would do that dance down the aisle Oh yeah, I well, mean complete sacrilege, right? Yeah, <laughs> and he was all about it. He was. He didn't do it, but he was all yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to send this episode to him. The, uh, yeah, but but the solemnity fits into what we talked about last weekend and in things, right? Because you know this last Sunday's gospel says, "My kingdom does not belong to this world," right? My, yeah, my you know, um, and and. And that's what we ended our last episode with talking about in things and talking about how our, our longing, our hope is for heaven. Our hope is to be with Christ the King. Yeah. So the, uh, it's a perfect way to end what we talked about last week, eschatology, the four last oh, things. Yeah, big words again. Yeah. Death, judgment, Use heaven, that, and hell. Add that to your repertoire with transfer transubstantiation you know for pickup lines there at the we, parties yeah remember? that's how we started this we, whole thing yeah i remember that, that was episode one i told <sighs> i told the guys that uh if you drop that word at a party you know or if i told i told the girls like if y'all hear that from a guy y'all could bring him home way back uh, wednesday is that is that a thing way, i don't know you know throwback thursday yeah. flashback friday way is it way back wednesday? wednesday we can do that way back to episode one Okay, so, eschatology. I'm sorry. I'm totally ADD today. Uh, so Christ the King. Christ the King was a, a feast, not a solemnity. So it was a step down from a solemnity uh, back when it was started in 1925. Okay, pause. Okay. Let's talk about those two differences. Let's the talk feast about and solemnity? Feast versus solemnity. Okay, so it just means uh, it's a higher ranking um, day. Right. So let, let's just let's go through the different times. There's a ferial day, a ferial, a ferial day is just a normal. Let's just say it's Wednesday. There's no saints uh, being celebrated. And so it's just a ferial day. You know, it's the typical you wear green or whatever. And then um, so we have the ferial day and then we have a memorial. Let's say it's uh, the memorial of St. Padre Pio. Right. And so we'll celebrate his uh, memorial 
his feast day or his memorial, and the church has some certain prayers for it. And then going from a memorial is a feast. A feast is a little bit bigger, uh, uh, more more solemn, like we do the Gloria and stuff like that. A solemnity is the highest, right? So every Sunday is a solemnity, and any day that they constitute a solemnity, right? So how does one saint get a solemnity and another saint gets a memorial? Like, so no saint. In, in other words, what do I need to do to get a solemnity and not be, not just having a memorial? So the, <laughs> if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm, I might be wrong, but I think I think this is it. All saints have a memorial except the apostles. Okay. The apostles. And, and St. Joseph. St. Joseph. Because the solemnity and, of St. Mm-hmm. Joseph. Well, uh, so all... Did we talk about that? Like hyperdulia, protodulia, yes. and dulia? So, the, uh, so all the saints, dulia, they have a memorial except the apostles. They have I think feasts. we talked about that in episode two, three. So you can go back and okay. fill in if you missed that episode. Yeah, so the... Uh, and so with that, the apostles have feast. The solemnities are given to uh, solemnities of our blessed Lord and of our blessed mother, along with St. Joseph. St. Joseph being, you know, kind of the highest of all the saints. Um, and so the solemnity that, so now let's go back. Christ the King was initially a feast day instituted in 1925 by Pope Pius XI? No, Pope... Yeah, I think that was it. Pope Pius XI in 1925, and he instituted it because of the increasing uh, atheist and kind of this um, communism, secularization of the political world. So it was Christ the King, not Christ the King of the universe. He instituted that. um, So when it was a feast, it was just Christ the King. It was just Christ the King. And the sole purpose for it was to remind political leaders that Christ is the king. You are not the king, right? Because with this increase in Marxism, atheist, uh, communism, and secularization of the political world, more and more people were doing things they weren't supposed to. I mean, 1925. Just imagine, you know, you had the French Revolution, you had World War One, you had World War Two coming up, you had, and then of course, you know, all of the the entire, all of the wars brought on by communism and Marxism in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And so this feast day was supposed to be directly against that, right? Because of popes, of course, have put out encyclicals and teachings on that. But how do you get it in the mind of the average person? You put it on a, on a feast day. Sure. You make them celebrate it, like in their own churches, in your own little small church. You're not going to read an encyclical from the pulpit, but you will celebrate that feast day. And so the average person can now know and come to understand that Christ is the king, especially of the political realm where so many people were going astray. Okay, so that's why it was started. Now, let's fast forward to I think it was like 1970. This is when it becomes a solemnity. They moved it to the end of the uh, liturgical year, Mm -hmm. the very last Sunday of ordinary time, and they bump it up to a solemnity. Okay, so now we can have cake and ice cream. (laughs) Yep. yep. I mean, Father Shambo, when he was here, used to always say, with solemnities, we should celebrate with cake and ice cream. Here's my question. 
Can we celebrate feasts with case, cake and ice cream too? Or? I think so. Yeah, it's okay. I think so. What about memorials? Memorials? Uh, you're pushing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> memorials, if, if you got an attachment to that certain saint, then yeah. Okay, so in the 70s, it becomes a solemnity and we can for sure have cake and ice cream. There we go. Okay. And so he bumps it up to a solemnity and he make, he kind of widens the, sca- uh, the scope of it. It's no longer Christ the king of just the political realm. It's Christ the king of the universe. And so this solemnity is the solemnity of Christ, of our Lord, Jesus Christ, king of the universe and it's kind of the 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 cap on eschatology the four last things and then we have christ the king of the universe to end ordinary time and move into the new liturgical year Mm. that was a lot yeah and and so this is what jesus responds to Pilate. you know maybe we can we can wrap this up and start talking about confirmation because mm-hmm. we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. But you know, Pilate says, then you are a king. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king for this. I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth, which I think in my mind brings us back to that hope for heaven. What is the truth? The truth is that we weren't created for this world, right? I mean, if we peel back everything mm-hmm. else, the truth is we were created for God. Yeah. Right? And so the feast of Christ, the solemnity, not feast of Christ, the King reminds us that he is the King. He's the King of my heart. He's the King of my life. Yeah. He's the King of this world. And he's the King of next. And I mean, just his response and absolute humility. They asked him if he was a King. They had no idea who was standing before them. No. The king of the universe, the creator, the alpha and the omega, the one that heaven cannot contain. And uh, in absolute humility, he answers, what a great example for our political leaders today, that their power does not come from them. It should come from God. And mm. it's God that reigns over my heart, my house, my uh, my politics, but over my entire world, my universe, everything. Yeah. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice he ends with. Hmm. So our, our reminder is wherever you're at today, are you listening to the voice of the Lord in your life? Hmm. Allow Christ to be the king. Man, that would be a great stopping point for this episode. <laughs> yeah, but and it we would got- be quick. Right. I mean, we were only 10 minutes in, but we got to talk about confirmation and I love confirmation. Yeah. So we had confirmation this past Sunday we for get to talk f- about the drunk uncle in the church that nobody likes to talk about. Oh yeah. The Holy spirit. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, the elephant in the room, the, uh, confirmation we had it this past and week. i say drunk uncle because the holy spirit is unpredictable like not not because the holy spirit you can't is put him in drunk. a box although peter when he received the holy spirit you know was accused of being drunk and mm-hmm. his argument for not being drunk was uh, men of galilee it's only nine o'clock in the morning yeah it's only 9 a.m peter had never been to a festival in south louisiana yeah, not once. yeah they weren't from louisiana <laughs> uh well, what, did you mow grass at eight? Like, you could, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why do you need a anyway? So, <laughs> so as uh, we had confirmation this past week for a few uh, individuals, uh, and um, confirmation was, is one of my favorite sacraments. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, you know, next to baptism and Eucharist, and you know the other two initi- initiation sacraments. Mm-hmm. 
And reconciliation, because I need to use that on all. I mean, <laughs> and, so ma- I, and marriage, huh? I love marriage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, priest you know, you can't you can't have any of them. Without I don't have the anything against holy orders because you know I don't get any of the sacraments without so, it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so really, I like them all. But when I was a youth minister, and confirmation was one of those uh, was was the sacrament. I guess because it was probably the one that I most formed young people to receive. Mm. You know, um, and and prepared them. I just. I, I love I love what confirmation does in our lives as Christians, as Catholics. Yeah. And so each sacrament has like a bullseye. It's, if you're thinking about a target, it has a bullseye and, and then it has a ripple effect after that. Okay, this happens, but because of the, that, these other things happen. The bullseye of confirmation is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into the soul. The stirring up. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's a Baptism gives us the Holy Spirit, no doubt. Confirmation perfects it, mm. fulfills it. So, you know, I always explained it to the young people, and I stole this from somebody else. I mean, because okay. I don't have an original thought. In fact, I don't think anyone in the church has had an original thought since Jesus, right? Well, but who said that? That was probably I, I don't think, know. I, I probably Aristotle. stole that too. <laughs> Aristotle, I think, said there's not a new. Th- oh, no, no, that's actually in the Bible. Wow, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's no so, new thought under the sun. So, do you do you like chocolate milk, Father? Yeah. Who doesn't like chocolate milk, right? Okay. Are, are you a Hershey's chocolate milk person or are you that any other brand? No, I'm not too sure. I have. Let's just say I'm Nesquik. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Let's go to Hershey's then. So what I would do with our confirmation candidates when we would get to the session on confirmation, I had this ginormous glass of milk, right? It was probably almost a gallon. Like it was a huge glass. It was probably a pitcher, but I call it a glass, right? And I would pour the milk and I would tell them, you know, Hey, this is your soul, right? It's like the milk is your soul. Mm -hmm. And then I would take a ginormous thing of Hershey syrup. Why Hershey syrup? Can you, can you guess? Cause Hershey's is the best chocolate. I think it is. Okay. But we we don't have to go with my opinion because it has the same initials as Holy Spirit, which is probably why it's the best, right? H S right. Okay. Okay. And so I take this, big thing of Hershey's syrup. And I'd say, this is baptism. And I'd start pouring that syrup in there. Right. And I would continue to talk for several minutes while I was continuing to pour the syrup in there because I like chocolate milk. I don't like milk with a little chocolate in it. I like chocolate with a little milk in it. And I had a ginormous thing of milk, right? You Mm -hmm. you still with me? Mm -hmm. Like, so there was probably an inch and a half of syrup at the bottom of it, which is kind of how I fill my cup up when I'm making chocolate milk. Now at 41 years old, I don't drink chocolate milk that often because as much as I like it, it sticks with me, right? (laughs) (laughs) There you go. So I would explain to him that at baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. right? But if we tasted that milk with the chocolate at the bottom, what would it taste like? Milk. It would taste like milk. It wouldn't taste like chocolate milk, right? And what confirmation does, right? And I take a big spoon, which had a point at the end. Do you get the reference? No. The spoon, it had a point at the end. What does the miter on the top of the bishop? Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I'm a cheesy dad, right? There we go. Most of our listeners have no idea what I just referenced, right? But the spoon, like if you look at a spoon Mm -hmm. and you look at the top of the miter, that's the silly hat that the bishop wears. And I say silly because, I mean, it is. (laughs) Um, They kind of look the same. And I said, say the bishop, who's the ordinary minister of confirmation, right? Which is why the spoon is shaped the way it is. I believe that God did that solely for this reference. Go ahead. Right. The bishop says, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I would begin to stir that 
right? And so the the chocolate then did what it does. It it was stirred up into the milk to where it was almost as black as your cassock, right? Mm-hmm. Because I like chocolate milk. Yeah. No, that's a that is a great. Great reference. I would go on to talk about the importance of the sacramental life in the life of the Christian. Because what happens if you leave that chocolate milk and you don't do anything else to it? Eventually, the chocolate begins to settle again, right? Mm-hmm. And so the the sacramental life is so important. Confirmation stirs up the gift of the Holy Spirit that we receive so that we can be a, a better witness to the church, right? Mm-hmm. But the sacramental life helps continue the, the, the stirring up of that spirit, if you will, confession, frequency of mass, you know, all the sacraments that we can receive continue to give us that grace so that we can continue to be the person led by the spirit that God has created us to be witnessing to God's life in the world today. Yeah. Do you see why I get so excited about confirmation? Yeah. Well, it's I all mean, about chocolate milk, really. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> thanks, Holy Spirit. And so the Hershey syrup. Yeah. So that that's, but you you pretty much got it. That the center bullseye of confirmation is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to stir up the Holy Spirit to uh, to perfect what was given to us in baptism. And so, what's the point of the Spirit's life? In our lives. Like, what's the point of the gift of the Spirit in our lives? So that there's two kind of main objects of confirmation. One is a general and one is a particular. Uh, the particular is the Holy Spirit in your life. Confirmation helps you to be a soldier for Christ, to give you courage, to uh, live out the life and defend the faith when necessary. It it helps you. That's, that's why the oil is used, right? Because oil back in the day... Uh, this it was olive oil that we use for confirmation with chrism, uh, olive oil representing um, what soldiers were kind of put like bathed in before battle. Really, it was used as a healing balm, mm-hmm. but then also to prepare them for battle. And so confirmation heals us, but it also prepares us to be soldiers. And then the chrism that's kind of added with them, this sweet smelling aroma is um, remember Christ life in the soul is a sweet uh, fragrance. Mm-hmm. Christ is a, uh, when you find someone that's in love with Christ, it's a sweet smelling aroma in your life. It's um and that's why a lot of the saints, they had what was called like this um, odor. They they put off this odor of like flowers or chrism or or something to where they, they really did the whole time. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, one of the signs, you know, and reminders of Padre Pio is the smell of the pipe, mm-hmm. you know. And so the uh, so there's that with the chrism. But then also that was the particular that what this uh, confirmation do particularly for the individual, but then also for the whole church, that how confirmation can help the whole church grow in holiness. But evangelization, it, I mean, it's supposed to be a gift, but also for other people. That, uh, you know, in baptism, I'm baptized into Christ's life, death, and resurrection, and confirmation helps me to live that out in a spectacular way. Uh, the Holy Spirit, we can never forget, the Holy Spirit is one person of the Trinity, right? We believe in a one but triune God. There's one God, but there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We'll go into Trinitarian theology uh, in whenever. another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in we another episode. about today. Yeah, but the Holy Spirit is just as equal with the Father and the Son. So, so, I'm sorry, go ahead. And so with that, the 
we talked about spiration before. When the uh, sun ascends into heaven, it's the Father and the Son that spirate the Spirit, that send the Holy Spirit into the world. And so with that comes the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at confirmation, where it's particular for me, helps me to be courageous, uh, prepares me for battle, uh, gives me a, a sweet-smelling aroma that I'm supposed to carry with gives my life. Gives us an advocate, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, if we go back to St. Ignatius's um, rules of discernment, sorry, I, I yeah. did that talk last weekend, and I've kind of been in that whole mindset. The The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us those those promptings that, it, that Ignatius talks about so that we know where God is leading us. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's, he, it's, it's, uh, the chocolate milk is completely stirred and it's, uh, and then living this life of grace, this sacramental life, the spirituality of the sacraments constantly moves that forward. The confirmation lights the fire. And then after that, I'm called to keep on putting wood on throughout mm. my life. And so it's a, the faith is a fire that I need to keep alive. Yeah, absolutely. So the Catechism of the Catholic Church says this in uh, paragraph 1285, uh, for by the sacrament of confirmation, the baptism are more perfectly bound to the church and are enriched with a special strength of the Holy Spirit, more perfectly bound to the church and enriched and are strengthened when the Spirit stirred up in their life, right? Hence, they are, as true witnesses of Christ, more strictly obliged to spread and defend the world. So the the particular movement of the sacrament of confirmation is so that we would be, it, it's been referenced as the sacrament of Christian witness, right? It's so that you and I, through the sacrament of confirmation, are equipped and strengthened to give witness to Christ in the world. Because, I mean, wouldn't you agree that if our goal is to get to heaven, I mean, it's going to be pretty boring if it's just you and I there, right? Yeah. Right. Well, it's a, our goal is to bring as many people with us, and we do that by giving witness. And that sometimes I remember telling our confirmation candidates probably, you know, makes us a little afraid. What do you mean I have to give witness to Jesus mm-hmm. in the world? But is it not the apostles? They were locked in the upper room because they were afraid that they would be killed for the faith. And then on Pentecost, arguably confirmation, right? On Pentecost, the spirit was given to them, stirred up in their lives, and they went out in the streets and proclaimed Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Because of the strength that they had received from the Holy Spirit, it's the same Holy Spirit that we receive at confirmation, or that is stirred up in our life in confirmation. Absolutely. That same confirmation that happened with the apostles uh, happens to us. Yeah. That, that break, and look, I know, I, I know a lot of people and a lot of conversion stories that happened with confirmation. Sure. And it, it, it is, I hear it all the time, but maybe I know other people probably don't because, you know, how often do you hear that? Like I hear all the time of these miracles that happen with the anointing of the sick. Uh, someone miraculously gets better from a, a, a dire situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I also hear about the spectacular conversions that happen with confirmation. It's, I hear it all the time. So a priest once told me, right? So maybe you're hearing all of this and you're thinking, I received the sacrament of confirmation. And I don't want to give witness to the world, right? That, that scares me of what people are going to think about me if, you know, I start talking about Jesus at work or wherever, right? Um, a priest once told me that, you know, the, the, the natural response is I'm a sinner. So I'm not, who am I to give witness, right? Our sacraments are for sinners, right? 
that was just such a freeing statement for me to hear because there's times where like, who am I? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and the sacramental life of the church is for us, the sinners in the church. And we believe that the grace of the sacraments is big enough to turn sinners into saints. Mm -hmm. It's how the saints became saints. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the life in Christ requires the Holy Spirit. And so while baptism is necessary, confirmation is not necessary for salvation, mm -hmm. but man, it gives you such a jump. I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in your life, that could, I mean, it, it helps. We used to do this. Um we used to do this uh, week-long service retreat. We may have talked about it on an episode. I don't know. Anyway, a friend of mine who's now in the Dominicans of St. Cecilia, um, she used to come every summer and she would staff this retreat. And she said, one, one, one summer, maybe it was one of the last summers that we did it. That's not important. But she said, um, it's unbelievable to look at the difference between the freshman and the senior. And, and I said, yeah, no, they, they just, they're so different. They mature over four years. They blah, blah, blah. She said, no, no, no. You can tell the ones that have received the sacrament of confirmation and the ones who haven't. Hmm. And I was like, Ooh, that's good. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Yeah. You, it should be a noticeable change within the person. Whenever we receive a sap, every time, every time I receive the Eucharist, every time I go to confession, uh, I should, there should be a noticeable change. Uh, these, these sacraments that we cannot receive again, like baptism or confirmation, um, or, or holy orders that imprint an indelible mark on the soul. We, we didn't talk about that, but no. confirmation puts a mark on the soul, not a physical mark, a spiritual mark on the soul that cannot be removed. So baptism, confirmation, and holy orders. Yes. Those are the three. That's why we don't repeat them. Uh, like Indelible uh, mark, right? Transubstantiation, eschatology, indelible mark. What did I if say last week? If you haven't noticed, week? the Catholic Church likes big words. I said theandric. Theandric's not a big word, but it's a unique word. <laughs> Spiration. Spiration. Man, we're increasing your vocabulary one episode at a time. I'm tr I'm trying, you know. The <laughs> there is no try. You either do or you don't. Oh, yeah, there we this. go. There we go. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, it should be a noticeable change. And then with the indelible mark, the indelible mark is a mark on the soul that cannot be removed. Uh, and that's why we do not repeat these sacraments like uh, like confession or the Eucharist does not put an indelible mark on the soul. Anointing of the sick does not put an indelible mark on the soul. Marriage does not put an indelible mark on the soul. Therefore, you can repeat those sacraments. Um, Careful. Uh, what? what Okay. The, uh, and so you can repeat those sacraments, but then with the indelible mark, whether you heaven or hell, wherever you, wherever, people are going to be able to see if you received that sacrament. Right? People are going to see in heaven if you were confirmed or not. It's going to be a mark on your soul. Um, and so confirmation is one of those sacraments that, that uh, initiates such a dramatic change in the person that it leaves a mark on their soul. Mm. So each sacrament has a particular grace and the sacrament of confirmation stirs up the Holy Spirit who you received at baptism to guide your life and to give witness to the Holy Spirit, to the saving work of Jesus in the lives of others. Yes. Bingo. We have one more thing to talk about and this will be quick. 
Advent. Advent. We'll Ad- talk. We'll talk more about it next Sunday, mm-hmm. right? But uh, just to get you thinking, this coming Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and so um, Advent, you know, is a time of repentance. Not as strict as Lent is mm-hmm. a time of repentance, and it's a time of hope. Yeah, you know, and and I think we forget about the hope because of the busyness of the season. Yeah, the colors are very important. So purple that we wear during Advent and Lent, on one level, represents royalty, right? So Christ, the King, is coming, uh, and so we have Christ. The um, with Advent coming up. Christ is coming. The the king is coming. And so we wear purple. But also, it's a sign of repentance. And so I have repentance within my soul. Um, And so that the the king is coming, I better make sure I'm shaping up, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, We also have uh, this Gaudete Sunday or Laudate Sunday uh, during uh, Lent. Gaudete Sunday during Advent is whenever the priest wears rose. And the rose is a mix between the purple and the white. And that's, it's, the, that's the pink Sunday. That's a, we, we say rose. <laughs> yeah, it makes them feel better. But, you know, yeah. real men wear pink. Yeah. The, uh, so it's, this, <laughs> it's a mix of these two colors to wear like, oh, Christ is almost here. And, and, and it represents that joy, that hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's an extra focus. It's like a booster shot right in the middle, right? Especially during uh, Lent. Like, man, okay, you're two weeks, three weeks into Lent. And like, man, what was my penances again? How well I've been keeping up with them? You know, I ain't doing too hot. Well, here's a booster shot, right? It's like, keep up the good fight, right? It's almost here. Um, keep it up. Remember why you started it. And then uh, don't lose hope. Here's some hope. Yep. And it's a time of preparation. You kind of mentioned that. I like to think about Mary being pregnant, Alicia having had four kids, watching Mm. a mom prepare for the birth of their child, right? And so I guess maybe what we want to leave you with today is um, how are you going to prepare differently this year? for the coming of our Lord at Christmas, right? What are the things that you're gonna do? What are the things that you're gonna take on and what are the things that you're gonna put down in order to prepare yeah. for the for Christmas? A very practical way to do this, and I highly recommend it, is get a sheet of paper and write down what you think is important to prepare for Christ coming at Christmas. Like write down what you think is, would be an amazing, a holy Christmas. What does that look like? Uh, Write down a few things and then be realistic about it. Like what can you do? Maybe you can't do all of that, right? Because we kind of live in an idealistic world. I I write down uh, two pages of stuff that I think, you know, a holy Christmas looks like and the things I don't do is like, well, I can't do all of it, but what can I do? And so just very practical because that's, that's how you initiate the change. Sure. Write down what you want to do, what you think you can, and then be realistic about it. What can you do? And then do it because you can start a Christmas tradition this year. What are good, holy Christmas traditions that you want you and your family to be a part of? And you could start it this year. It doesn't matter if the kids are out or anything like that. You can begin today. The, the, the life of Christ is always waking up and saying, today I begin again. And so begin. 
and Advent is a great time to do that. Uh, tomorrow we celebrate Thanksgiving, so we wish all of you a very happy Thanksgiving. We hope that you enjoy the day, that it's filled with family and love, um, and that uh, and that you remember all the things that you have to be grateful for this year. Uh, be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast listener of choice. And um, we hope you enjoy Thanksgiving and the rest of the week. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend at Mass. God bless. God bless.